Hello, welcome to another episode of Fast Forward, a podcast from QSR Magazine. My name is Sam Okus. I'm the editor of QSR and the editorial director of Food News Media. You probably know what we're doing by now, but uh, we are in the midst of the coronavirus outbreak and trying to keep ahead of all the news and solutions and practical tips that you need to help get you and your business, your employees, your team through this uh, just crazy season. Um, So we've posted several episodes in the last week and a half that you can go back and check out. Uh, But also, if you're new to this podcast, I do encourage you to also check out our archives for all of the interviews with fast casual founders, innovators, and entrepreneurs um, that we had done before this, because I think there's a ton of valuable insights in there from several fast casual uh, professionals. So please do check that out. But again, in the meantime, the coming days and weeks, we are going to be doing uh, mostly exclusively um, coronavirus content, because right now, I think no amount of information is too much. Right now, you just need um, information, communication, ideas, strategies, solutions, tips to get you through this. And that's what we're going to aim to do. We will get back to our normal episodes in the next uh, week or two so that you can try to return to some semblance of uh, normalcy and so that we can do that as well. Um, But yes, again, for now, we are going to be um, trying to share some perspectives from around the restaurant industry of how we can fight off uh, this challenge posed by coronavirus and the downturn in business that it has led to. You can also go to qsrmagazine.com slash coronavirus for all of that content as well. Uh, We have posted all of our headlines, both news and insights, um, to help you get through this. Um, You can also email me, sam at qsrmagazine.com, if you think you've got a unique perspective to share on the show or know somebody else who does, or even if you just want to talk or just want uh, a resource, we are here for you. Uh, Now I'm going to share a conversation with John Kalaski. John is the CEO and founder of K2 Restaurants, uh, which is a hospitality company that uh, both incubates and operates restaurant concepts out in Los Angeles. I really wanted to talk to John because they have in Santa Monica a food hall concept called Social Eats uh, with several restaurant concepts there. And, you know, I've been thinking about this in the last two weeks. What happens with food halls? I mean, food halls are literally the opposite of social distancing. Um, They are all about socializing and community and getting together in close quarters to share a good meal. And here in the last two years, we've seen food halls really explode in popularity. And all of a sudden, uh, with this outbreak, this pandemic, uh, what happens to food halls and how can they pivot to an operating model that can keep them afloat to get through this season um, and to to get some sales and, uh, and really innovate like any uh, restaurant concept would. So John had a lot of really thoughtful um, tips and insights and some, some ideas on how they're getting through this. And I wanted to share that with you. So rolling now into a conversation with John Kalaski, the CEO and founder of K2 restaurants. John, thanks for your time today. I'm sure you're crazy as you uh, navigate your company kind of through this coronavirus crisis. Um, Tell me what, first start by telling me a little bit about what K2 restaurants is. Absolutely. Appreciate your time as well. Uh, K2 restaurants was founded to be incubators and operators of lifestyle experiences, whether that's restaurants, food halls, Uh, delivery aggregators, hotels, whatever that may be within the hospitality industry, we've really fashioned ourselves to be a a white label management solution for the hospitality industry. Mm, Got it. And so food halls, I know, being very much an important part of of that. And um, I, I just can't even begin to imagine what the effect of the last two weeks has been on a food hall operation. What what's the last two weeks look like for you? Absolutely. The last two weeks have been 
pivot after pivot. I think for us, we, as we got news from how we needed to shift our business, um, what the restrictions were for how we could, whether that's allow people into our space, how much distance we needed to have between people, um, what we could do as far as takeout, delivery, et cetera. We've, I feel, had to pivot five or six different times mm. just to be able to keep up with uh, the changes from what's coming from our government on through to the health department, um, on through to adjusting to what we needed to with, with our staff and with our guests to ensure that everyone that is here or everyone that wants to come into here is safe. Mm. Yeah, I mean, food, food halls are all about community. I mean, social distancing is like literally the opposite of what food halls stand for. So how do you, I mean, how does, a, how does one social distance in a food hall? Yeah, absolutely. I think for us, it, it became a push to pick up and take away uh, as, as the main driver, um, not allowing, unfortunately, our guests to be able to walk through the food hall, uh, really being able to control the food production areas to ensure that they're sanitary and that only our staff and team are in those areas uh, just to be safe. And so really the push has been what else can we do for the community, can we start to do a delivery business and not mm. only rely on those last mile third party delivery services, but why can't we do this ourselves? We have a team, we, we have uh, people who are part of this community. How do we keep them employed for as long as possible? And so we started really focusing on allowing people to come in and pick up and take away, uh, not only deliver on those third party apps, but we even launched our own delivery service to the local community so that we have our free delivery and then utilizing a, uh, a public passageway off the backside of our food hall, we've built out our own modified drive-through mm, so that wow. guests could order. Yeah. If they order on our online store uh, or call into us, uh, we set up the food in, in to-go packaging and they just give us a call when they're sitting in, in our back loading zone. Uh, we've got uh, the old car hop spots lined up and, and chalked out. Um, and they just could pull in and, and call us and we run the food and drinks on out to them. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny because it's like for so many businesses that didn't have, you know, these functions, these off-premises functions in place before all of this, you've had to really adapt on the fly, but uh, how do you do that? I mean, not, not only is it a complicated operational process, but in, in addition, I mean, your customers don't know that you have this because you didn't have it before. So how do you roll out these kinds of things? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I think we, we've been trying to stay as focused as we can through all of these pivots and say, well, if we're doing something super cool and nobody knows about it, mm. does it matter, mm -hmm. right? So when we, we launched the delivery, we we're fortunate to get a few different people to post and talk about it. Um, obviously, through all of our own social channels and email database, we we're able to send that messaging out. Um, and then we, we started going with a little bit more of beyond the ground marketing. Uh, we actually sent out some of our, our corporate team yesterday with takeout menus and information on how to place delivery orders and pick up orders through our store uh, and sent them out to the local community and started really going, going handing out and dropping off at different office buildings, uh, residential apartments, condos, uh, nursing homes, et cetera, to get the word out there. And do people seem to be responding? I mean, being out in LA, I imagine there's more of a dine-out culture there than most other cities. Are they eager to be able to order off-premises from you guys? 
Yeah, they, it's great. Like we've we've been able to see people that are like, I didn't know there was still a restaurant open. <laughs> um, as you look around, and it, it's unfortunate to see it, but you see restaurants that are closed, and you see uh, bigger chains that that were some of the first to start to shut down. Uh, and people just assume that there weren't going to be other options besides the grocery store um, to be able to get their food. And so we've been able to to really tap into uh, our local market here who are looking you know, to have a, an alternative, and whether mm-hmm. that's a, a quick lunch. And you know, there's, there's a number of people in the community who are still working. There's still some uh, big construction projects that are happening here in Santa Monica where these individuals have been looking for a place to eat because everything around them has slowly shut down in the last few days. Uh, mm. So we've fortunately been able to, to provide them this service uh, during this time. Yeah, it's great. You have some really high profile partner concepts uh, as part of Social Eats um, and the food hall. How do you work with those partners? I mean, I, it, a food halls obviously are so, so multifaceted and have you know several different vendors. And um, I, I'm just wondering what it looks like to sort of spin all of those plates between all of the partners that you have. Oh, absolutely. I think as we, we looked at getting into the food hall world and creating Social Eats, um, our vision for what the future of a food hall would be where you could have these incredible partners, um, whether it's the Voltaggio brothers or working with uh, the team at Fuku and Momofuku and David Chang and really be able to bring them all into a food hall. But since K2 Restaurants manages all of the different concepts, mm-hmm. we're able to provide the underlying support that um, I think we, we noticed that food halls didn't have. We are the centralized marketing and we have our point of contact who gets to reach out to whether it's the chefs or, or the brand, so to speak, uh, and work with them on what's happening day to day. Uh, we're able to, with our, our central team here, work with the chefs on recipes. Uh, we're managing mm. all of the staff and there are employees across the board. So we're able to flex whether it's you know, moving individuals over to a concept that's getting uh, crushed during a lunch rush, we're able to move the right resources there for a minute and then move them back to other spaces as you know, the, the herd mentality kicks in and a line forms there, mm-hmm. move more people over to that crunch. And then everyone starts backing up that starfish by the Voltaggio brothers, move on over there. Taco mm. Tuesday at Azule Taqueria um, has just been this phenomenon up until now. And so we're able to move all the resources we need to execute that. And mm-hmm. I think that's been what's allowed us to not only respect and work with these incredibly talented individuals, but allow us to provide a unique style of food hall um, that really is you know, one group, one loyalty program, one marketing voice that's reaching out to them. Mm-hmm. Seems like there's maybe some stuff you can learn too from, I mean, obviously David Chang's going to be, um, you know, learn, he's going to be having certain strategies that he employs at his restaurants in New York that maybe you could learn from your partners, what they're doing at their other restaurants and employ those also at Social Eats. Uh, totally. And I think that's the best part. I mean, at the end of the day, we're able to tap into these amazing individuals, amazing companies, and we get to grab all that information from them. We get to mm-hmm. see what they're doing, understand why they're doing it. And because we are partners here in, in our project, we're able to get you know, really a, a deeper dive look into what's really happening um, in their own businesses, their own best practices. You know, we're able to avoid mistakes because they've already made them. 
uh, we're able to you know rely on their decades of experience to help shape everything that we're doing not only you know in in our world here but everything else that we do within k2 and you know, bring that to the table yeah I know we're really still in the thick of things here and it's, you know, it just sort of seems like surviving day by day, but I'm wondering if you've feel like you've learned anything in this process that you feel like you'll take with you beyond, you know, once we get to a post coronavirus world. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, as we look at the future, there, there's a number of things that are going to come out of this and you know, depending on, on where the world is, the economy and, and all of that um, really for us, it's, it's about being efficient. Uh, it's finding those opportunities where we focus on what we do really well, focus on those menu items that work, focus on cross-utilization of product, um, and really the setup. I think we've found that in, in this time, as uh, we've pivoted here, we're able to execute eight concepts right now out of a very small space. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, we're, we're hopefully doing that at a level that is consistent with what we were doing before we had to, to shift to this model. Um, we feel we are, and we feel like there's something to this in the future where we're gonna be able to make a lot better use of our kitchens um, and a lot better use of our, our team and our efficiencies moving forward. Mm -hmm. I think that the off-premises trend, uh, you know, I've said this several times on this podcast the last couple of days, but it's funny how the restaurant industry is more prepared to go through this now than even just three or four years ago because of the off-premises business. And so it seems like if, if people haven't learned a thing or two about off-premise strategy, you know, by now they're, they're definitely going to have learned that in this season. Oh, so true. And being able to see like just the technology piece that comes along with that, and, you know, depending on people's point of sale systems, you know, we're fortunate through Square that uh, we needed to set up all of these concepts on an online store to make it easy to, to direct everyone to one place. And within a day, we're able to do that. And I mm -hmm. remember years ago, that would be weeks. And that would be weeks of loading and programming and revisions and all these things. And now that that piece is already there and ready to be activated. Um, it just makes being able to do this so much easier than it was before. Yeah. What do you think about food halls? I mean, food halls are really just gaining steam. I mean, you know, the last couple of years, they've really come into becoming a, a prominent part of the food service industry. And, you know, I, I would guess probably other food halls across the country maybe are not faring as well as Social Eats is. But what do you hypothesize is sort of the next step for food halls out of something like this? I think it's going to be a lot of consolidation and mm. consolidation of the operators within the food halls. I think that the developers who are, uh, whether they're running them today or they've got them in the development phase, I think they're going to look to a single operator to be able to help guide the food hall. Um, it's it's going to be even harder in our, our future here to be able to be a small independent operator. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we're all struggling as, as we look at the next day, uh, you know, where we're going to be at in a week from now. I can't even imagine what's going to be happening, you know, 30, 60 days. Um, but being small and, and not having the resources to rely on is just going to be that much harder. And mm -hmm. so I think for a food hall to survive, it's going to have to rely on a smaller mix of operators and tenants in order to have that support and really be able to ensure that it could flex through opportunities that exist like this right now. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, John, last question for you. Thinking about, you know, I mean, right now it's 
pretty somber time in the industry. It's, it's obviously very difficult. Many people are struggling, but, you know, just trying to communicate a sense of hope. Um, what is maybe one bit of wisdom or encouragement you can leave us and our listeners with for, for folks to remember as we go through this time? Absolutely. I think for restaurateurs uh, around the country, the globe, people are beginning to realize just how important the food and beverage and hospitality industry is to the fabric of our lives. Mm -hmm. We are intertwined into every special occasion, whether it's for that takeout dinner, that nice occasion, that hotel stay for the weekend, for that celebratory birthday, retirement, anniversary, wedding, whatever that may be. There's so much that revolves around hospitality. And I think that Truly right now, people are seeing that this is a business that is extremely difficult. It is something that you know, for many of us who have been doing this for decades, we've always known that it's low margin, it's hard work, but we like that. That's mm-hmm. what we love about it. We're masochists. We enjoy that. And I think you know, for, for really the, the silver lining, I hope, is that people recognize just how much work goes into this industry. And come back with a little bit more respect for those operators, those mom and pops, those big companies, that cashier, that cook, that dishwasher, that housekeeper, whomever it may be, and just love and respect them that much more, knowing a little bit about what they're going through and just how fragile this environment is. So many people rely on our industry to put food on the table and a roof over their heads at night for them and their families and um, yeah, I really hope that people see this and, and appreciate what goes into our industry and, and all of these amazing people who, you know, unfortunately we're, we're struggling today, but hopeful, hopeful for, for tomorrow to be better and easier and that there's, there's help on the way so that everyone can get back to work and, and do what they love. Yeah, like that. Thank you, John. And thank you so much for your time today. I know I'm sure you're busy like everybody else, but really appreciate uh, what you have to say and uh, be well, stay healthy and good luck to you. You as well, Sam. Thank you so much.